Hey everyone and welcome to this episode of Talking It Out About. It's been a little while since we've done one and this is a special one because it is the three year anniversary of my FND journey. Happy anniversary. How exciting. Mm -hmm. So what we thought we'd do is we'd come on and just sort of touch base and share some of the earliest memories of that time from the day where it all went a bit peak-tong, really. So, do you want to start? Uh, I mean, should we... I mean, I, we've done the timeline before, haven't we? Yeah. So I think just the the general thing was I certainly remember um, there's just a lot of confusion around it. I think that's a general point about FND. There's, it's such a confusing topic because it the approaches are so different. Mm. The... Response, the responses by medical practitioners are so different. The symptoms are so different. Yeah. The, the um, severity of symptoms can be so different, and mm-hmm. they can vary day to day as well. So, or like, minute to minute. Yeah, at, yeah. Well, that's quite true. And then as you get, as you get sort of more in tune with how they feel for you, I think they they can fluctuate quicker. Mm-hmm. Like I think the first time you get it, obviously it was. For you, it was progressive, so like there was a steady increase of symptoms. You didn't feel steady. Yeah. <laughs> it felt quite sudden, to like, be honest. I think, vaguely, it was like one a month sort of thing. Like that once a month. But I mean, four weeks of not knowing what's wrong for then something to get worse feels very, very confusing and scary. Because even, you know, by the time it's severe enough and you've seen enough people that somebody's gone, oh, it's this... You know, you you Google around, and quite frankly, because it's so complicated, I never felt like I was any clearer, really, mm. as, as to what it was. Um, but I think that's that's true of just sort of any mental health problem, isn't it? Like, ultimately, we're all looking for ways to cope with a situation. Yeah. And that your response is just the way in which you're now responding to, you know, the stimulus that's happening to you, how your, how your life is going your body just responds at saying, hey, I want to do something different now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just remember being very confused and that obviously just makes you sort of very scared because you're trying to understand, right, what does this mean? Like, how do I put, how do I make this, what does my life look like? Mm-hmm. Um, Especially when you don't know, when you don't know what it is you're yeah. fighting and you don't know what that is going to mean for the future. Mm. It's very scary, isn't it? I know that... So... The 30th of January, it all kicked off because I went and had bloods taken. That was that was the thing that tipped me over the edge. Um, that's spiked, that for you, that's stressful, isn't it? You find yeah, that very stressful. stressful. So your anxiety was really high. Yeah. Full, full sort of fight or flight response. Yeah. So I'd already been poorly anyway with a really bad ongoing case of laryngitis. They then wanted to do bloods because they were checking it wasn't anything more serious. I had my bloods done... In the morning, I went back into work to drop off my sick note because I was like, right, I'll take it in. Like, I'm still functioning. I have no voice. I can't talk, but I'm functioning enough to go in. Um, and that's where it then went wrong. So I put out on um, my Facebook page for people to give me, like, little stories of, like, right at the beginning. Mm. And one of the ladies who was in the office when I went in, has given me the story of what happened to begin with. So I'm going to share what she's written to me Mm. of what happened. So these are her words. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's not my words. Um, I will never forget the day you came into the office and you were so poorly, but you still tried to make us all smile. We offered to take you home, but even then you were determined to stay strong and independent. However, your body had other ideas and put a stop to that. I will never forget those next moments where we had you laying in the office with your feet in the air trying to keep calm while we felt felt anything but calm. Amy, my friend, was amazing with you and we were all so worried, but you still tried to keep us all smiling, even when they wheeled you out to the ambulance. You've continued to be amazing with how far you've handled this life changing illness and never once have I heard you be negative about it or what it's taken from you I'm pretty sure I have been negative but hey it's lovely of you to say that I haven't um and then she goes on to say about using it to teach others um and being an inspiration which I still find really weird but it's that moment of I can remember going into the office Mm. and seeing the girls in the office and going here's my sick note with my 
lesson voice. And then I remember walking through the door. And then the next thing I remember is I was sat on the floor in the corridor. But I wasn't sat off to the side. I was sat right in the middle because my legs just wouldn't work anymore. And I took myself to the floor. I was still talking to someone at the time. I don't know who I was talking to, though. I was talking to someone and I was on the floor and my legs were just kind of gradually shaking. It wasn't anything massive, but they were just kind of wobbly, like you do when you've got that adrenaline rush. They were just kind of a little bit shaky. And I was like, right, I can't stay here because various people had climbed over the top of me to get past. Like, you can't stay here. So I got up and I walked into the staff room. And it was still sort of going, but I was still walking. And then... I think I had a cup of tea. Someone made me a sugary cup of tea. And then I went to leave. And then it all went horribly wrong from the point I decided to try and leave. I didn't make it down the corridor. And I was on the floor. And the leg shaking was getting worse. They had to move me out of the corridor and into an office. Because I was in the way. Which is fair enough. I was directly in the way. Moved me into an office. And then as soon as I got into the office, that was it. They took off. And they were more, not violent, but they were more pronounced. It was more of a whole body. Yeah, it was more of a whole body thing. And then... Next thing I remember was being really, really warm. Like, I was so hot. I could not cool down. And then a nice paramedic was talking to me. But I don't remember them arriving. I don't know how that ended up happening, but they were there. And I had people around me. And I could remember feeling my legs were trapped. Because of where I was on the floor... My legs were trapped against something and mm. all I wanted to do was open my legs and have them straight so that I could let the movement happen. But I'd been caught in between so my legs were pushed up against something and I couldn't get that full motion out and it was hurting. And then... I ended up on a mattress on the floor and then I was in an ambulance. But I think I walked to the ambulance. So it obviously subsided enough for me to walk to the ambulance. And then I was taken off to hospital. And bugger all was done there. Because they're useless. <laughs> but my friend was trying to call you. Mm. But you were in a field somewhere. I was, yeah. And we couldn't get hold of you. I think they phoned my mum. I think they phoned mum mm. and they were trying to work out if this was a normal thing for me or not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is you all over. This is me. She's been a bit of a drama queen. <laughs> and then I shook all the way to hospital and shook whilst I was in hospital. And that's about it. I don't remember much more. It's... Fascinating. Why is it fascinating? For it, the whole thing, but I mean, really, what what struck me is I feel like there's this huge disconnect between what's happening in the real world and like people's perception of what is happening. So, for example, so, so let's let's just rewind to the bit where you're in the hallway. Okay, we don't. It would take scrap all the other details. Mm-hmm. You're in the hallway. Okay, and you've ended up on the floor. Mm-hmm. Now you don't know what's going on. You don't know why you're on the no. floor, right? Basically, nothing else that's going on in that school at that moment is more important than this, because something has happened. There's some sort of mm-hmm. medical emergency, and you don't know. It's not like you sat on the floor because you've tripped. This is an unknown confusing use of your body which is extremely rare in terms of you being able to understand it Mm. you're in the hallway you're unable to walk your thought your first thought is not what is going wrong this is indicative of some sort of problem i like trusted it i fully i remember like accepting it going ah be fine but that i fully trusted that it was going to go away and i would be perfectly fine yeah, I that's... had that like sense of calm, like even though it was scary, I was I was like, no, 
it will be fine. But what it, what you're what you're missing is that it's it's indicative of something. It's trying your body is saying this is a response, a big response to what must be a big problem. Mm. But your first response isn't like how can I understand what this problem is? And Not deal that with I can it. remember. No, your first. But the the fact that you remember what you remember is I need to get out the way. Mm. I'm an imposition on other people. Look, I'm in the middle. People need to get around me. Like, you know. The, well, because the, I was still conscious. I was still talking. I was still laughing. Yeah, that, yeah but that's that's irrelevant. It wasn't like I'd passed out. If I'd passed out, it would be no, different. No, it's not but different. This, I is, think, this is it. You're diminishing no, what I'm is not still diminishing a very... It. No, you can't help yourself. What should be a normal response is, damn, some, this is a major problem. Other people need to stop what they're doing and focus on me. Well, I think that is what happened. No, that's what happened, but that's not how you felt. How you felt was, I'm an imposition. I need to get out of the way. Move out of the way. Like, the fact when uh, the person who commented and the, the story you read, the fact that you're talking about how brave you are, there's a, deg- a, a degree of that. I look in and I think, is this a degree of you saying... I'll be fine, don't worry about it. Putting on this positivity because you don't want to feel like you're a drain on other people's resources. I'm fine, guys, don't worry about it. Don't, don't expend, you don't need to expend your energy on me. I'm not important enough. It's, it'll be okay. And it's a, it looks like from the outside that you're, you're basically trying to say, just don't look at me. Like, I, it, I, yeah, my body seems... was doing something really weird. I didn't want to be stared at. But that's, but that's, <laughs> but that's is irrelevant to the, like, imagine having a stroke. Now, you know, I'm having a stroke. Everything needs to stop for me. Like, if you speak to a medical professional, they'll say, if you're having a stroke, basically nothing else that's going on is more important. We need to step in here and intervene because this can have a huge impact. And I would, I'd be really interested to know, like, I think sometimes there's a lot of behaviours that people put on that you're rewarded for but are actually really damaging. And I think things like putting on, put it, having a stiff upper lip, um, being brave... I find sometimes I think too much of it is external. Too much of it is trying to tell other people, oh, I'm fine. And really you're sort of ignoring how you actually are feeling inside. Yeah, but then we have to remember, I got very used to ignoring how I felt on the inside. Yeah, which is a problem. Yes. I'm not saying but that you're But as in, to... like, at the time, it was, it was my normal response. Yes. Now, if it was to happen, I'd obviously respond slightly differently. But I think given the circumstance we were in, everyone responded the best that they could with what limited understanding we all had. Yeah, and I'm not critiquing other people's response. I'm You're so, critiquing my I'm response. I'm critiquing your response. <laughs> and I, and but but I, I don't want you to say, like, that you're doing this... You're not doing this because you're a bad person. You're doing this because you don't... I, I think you don't feel like you're important enough. And a lot of people also don't feel like that. They don't feel like they're important mm. enough. And I think sometimes people in their, in their attempts to be kind and to say... Oh, you know, you know, this was so brave. Look how you responded. Sometimes I think actually the nice response is actually the wrong response for the individual. Like somebody, you should have gone. You should have stopped and gone. Right, hang on. I need to, have to think about this. What's happened? Why? Why have I responded in such a strong way? If you look at the linking events, like yeah, but that's that's with the beauty of hindsight. Of course, isn't it? of course, and and we're talking like in retrospect now. So at the time, you responded how you responded because that's who you were, and, it, and that's completely understandable. But like, take a step back and you've gone. But I why responded, is it I'm so sick all the but time? But I trusted my body to do what I don't know. But I remember feeling quite like ah, it's fine, like, it will calm down, it's just having a moment. Yeah, but that's not... Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think I felt worried or scared until I was on the floor in that other office, unable to control my body completely. The little pre-bit beforehand, I was dismissive of, because I was like, ah, it's fine, I just feel a bit wobbly, like, I'll be fine, don't worry. I think as soon as it then hit, the whole body movement, which it did, that's when it started to kind of go, hang on a minute. But I didn't have the brain space at the time to be able to entertain anything other than my body is moving and it hurts. And yet I still walked out. I don't know how I did that. And I, I think I think a lot of people who have FND, they're in denial about how serious it is. I think it's... And and this should be this should be empowering for people because what they need to think is you're actually really important and that your body is signaling to you literally now the only way it knows how is preventing you from doing things. So it's trying to say, look, something 
in your life is wrong. Something needs to be changed. I've tried to signal to you. I've tried to give you anxiety, but you've just lived through this anxiety for years. Mm. You're supposed to hear your emotions and go, right, something now needs to change. But then I think that's, if you're self-aware enough to do that, if you've you've blocked it for whatever reason, because of trauma or whatever, you've blocked that response and that understanding, which we know I did... And I just put on a face and was like, yeah, no, I'm absolutely fine. Like, mm. don't ask about me. You don't need to know. Don't, you don't need to ask about my life. Don't pretend it's fine. Like, I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. But actually, I think we're all guilty of doing that to a point. Mm. But it's being aware enough to hear your, what your body needs before it has to make something drastic happen. Yeah. Before it breaks you to get your attention that's the point in which you have to go hang on a minute there's something else going on here yeah but i didn't have the knowledge or the ability to see it before it broke me Mm. i needed it to break me to shake me so that i could fix what was broken yeah it's sort of like um if you own a house, if somebody, if your parents appropriately educate you as you grow up, you should be able to recognise the little problems and then fix the house. So, you know, you keep on top of your maintenance of your house, the house doesn't collapse. Yeah. Now, anyone knows if the wall falls off in a house, the house is broken. Oh, of course, everyone knows to yeah. fix it then. But appropriate parenting, and fine, if you have like really bad events, basically that blocks your mind from learning the little things which you need to be paid attention to. But... You know, people need to, and this is really, I, I think so much of it comes down to parenting. It's really hard to change your mindset and things as an adult. You have to go through really difficult events because your mind's pretty set. But when you're younger, you know, parents have a responsibility to show people, this is how you listen to your feelings. And, you know, there's a difference, we've spoken about this before, there's a difference between internalising what you feel. Like, I might feel sad, but there's a separate part to whether I show that sadness. And I, I think... But then you can separate your feelings very well. Yes. You are in very good control of your feelings. You are not led by feeling. You are not led by emotion. So you're coming at it from a very separate point of view. From from my side, who I am, emotion and feeling led, that's our our kind of juxtaposition Mm. between us, is that you are logic-led and I'm emotion-led. And therefore the way we approach things is ever so slightly different. Um, It's just something worth... Yeah, I think Noting. <laughs> the sort of the point that I want to draw out is that, like, certainly maybe from the male perspective, I think sometimes men get put in this bracket of saying, "Oh, well, you know, men are so out of tune with their feelings." And I think actually, as a man, I'm more in tune with my feelings than I would say most women. However, there's a separation between what I show, and I think sometimes people confuse the two. They think, "Oh, you're not showing your emotion; you don't feel emotion." Where actually, I feel my emotions. I listen to them. But I choose not to not to share them because mm. I feel like I feel like it doesn't get the response I want. Whereas I shut mine down. Yeah. Or had. Or just ignore it. I just ignored mine. Yeah. Just because I don't think I knew how to handle any of it. Because mm. if I started looking at how I felt and why I felt it, I felt like I was going to break. Yeah, it's scary. And it's ironic that. I then broke physically to be able to do that. But I remember being a teenager and walking around, like, holding myself up, like, holding my stomach up, just desperately trying to keep myself together. I remember doing that because it was like, I just need to keep myself upright. I don't want to look too closely at why I'm feeling anything because Mm. I will just crumble. And I don't have the skills to rebuild myself after I crumble. Yeah. So it's really interesting to kind of see that change and go through that change because now I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not great at it, but I'm definitely better at hearing my feelings and hearing what my body needs. Yeah. Like if I need to rest, I will now rest. I'm not perfect at it, but But that's that's, I'm better than I was. And it's being progressive, isn't it? Like sometimes, that's why I think like mindfulness and if you can, just going for walks and getting rid of your phone, the more external stimulus that you can cut off and the more you can just be with your brain and just accept those thoughts, the better, because it just clears space out. Mm. Like, there is no judgment if you're in the woods. It's just your thoughts. And That's why I like going to horses. Mm. There's no judgment. There's no look, there's no judgment, there's no fear. 
it's calm. We've digressed completely from. Well, that's uh, I point your point though is like about being progressive, and that I think the first step some people do is just just genuinely hear themselves because mm. you know as a as an organism we're incredibly complex and our brains are you know sort of split up into parts sort of thing. Your your animal side just says it just screeches its its answer. It's just saying there's a problem. You know, yeah. if you feel bad, your body is telling you it's a problem. Now you might not logically be able to identify it. But something's wrong. Yeah. And, and you know, you just need to... Once you can understand what that problem is, you can then make a choice. Do I want to action this or not? And you can choose. That's perfectly fine. But to, you need to recognise at least a part of you is saying, I don't like it. Um, and then, you know, like you say, you can do what you want afterwards. But it's, like, my position on things. I always do remember thinking, I just... Like, I just need... Maybe if I just get you to think about things for a while. Yeah, and it would really irritate me that you'd want me to think... Yeah. It still irritates me. I don't like it when you like, well, just think about it. Well, no, I don't want to just think. I don't want to think about it because I'm so out of the practice of just being in my own head. And yet, you would like, you perfect, one of the things you really liked was to go for drives where, especially nighttime drives, where basically you can't see anything, that the activity, you're sort of occupied, especially like as I was driver, I'm sort of occupied. And there's, it's almost like, I guess, being in like a immersion tank or something. Mm. You know, all that's left is just your thoughts. And they just sort of roll I don't along. think I'd like an immersion tank. I think I'd find it too stressful. <laughs> Maybe It might be too intense for you at the it moment. It might be but... too intense. Like, mm. to be left alone with my thoughts completely. God, I dread to think what I'd end up going to. Unicorns and brownies. And that's okay. Like, you just let, you let, the, you let the thoughts come. And mm. you just sort of, you're just sort of like watching them and just seeing how they come sort of thing. But, like, certainly, like, my opinion on that, on that sort of thing and generally on mental health and the system that sort of changed. I think your pre... Who was the, what was the name of the previous uh, gentleman you had on? Tom. Tom. I'm really sorry if it wasn't Tom and it was like Ger- Jerry or, or something. something. Like I'm really sorry. Either way. Like, In my head, it's Tom. <laughs> that man had a really in-depth, like, understanding. I think sometimes, like, you need that analysis. I know it's scary, but you need to analyse things and, and work out for you why things are the case mm. and sometimes switch off what other people say. Because other people's views and other people's feelings, especially when they're fine and you're not, it's too easy for them to mislead you. Like mm-hmm. the only the only person's thoughts who matter are your own, because it doesn't matter what everyone else says. If you don't like something, you don't like it, and your your response, your fight or flight response, will be based on what you like, no matter whether other people say, "Well, I love going on holidays" or "I love socialising." You know, if that's not how you feel, you're you're just being. I think it's just taking that time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's believing that your thoughts and opinions and feelings are important enough to be heard, not just by you, but by someone else as well. We just need to get you to listening to your own thoughts and feelings. Yes, okay, anyway. See, even there, even even that, you still like. I still flinch away from it, I don't like it. Yeah. That's because we're talking about, like, right back at the beginning. This is, we're kind of merging three conversations here. Yeah, we are. Um, so I'm just trying to move us back to why we actually started this one. So when you got to the hospital, what was going on? I don't really remember. That's unhelpful. Well, I, I've just been honest. Three years ago, um, you know, things sort of fade. I just, I vaguely, vaguely just remember the sort of the emotional feelings and and the that's you know the the factual details were almost irrelevant. Um, because I think it it all links everything links together like it is like I say it's a big system like everything has relevance mm. um, just to varying degrees. But I mean, I just found you know I, the problem I find is that medical professionals might know a lot of things, but they don't. It's difficult for them to empathise. They can't put themselves in a position where they don't know anything. So what they can inform you at the stage where they're extremely busy is not enough detail to put somebody with such a complex condition at ease. So I felt like the three times that we went to the hospital or whatever, I wasn't getting the information that I needed to, to be able settle. to understand and go, right, this is the this is the problem. Because essentially it's like someone saying, you go to a doctor and they're saying, oh, one of your bones is broken. I'm not going to tell you which though. Go home. It might recover or it mm. might not. And you, sort of, and, you, know, you, you wouldn't get that sort of generic advice for a physical problem, but you will get that generic advice for a mental problem. And if you want, you know, you get an x-ray and that they'll tell you then what bone is broken. But if you want to find out what the mental problem is, 
well, that might take two years of therapy, you know, and that's so difficult to wrap your head around and generally from anyone, mm. not just the person who's going through it, but everyone related because, you know, everyone has suitable sympathy for a broken bone because it's crystal clear. But then when it's, when it's sort not of a problem, physical, yeah, when it's not, when it's not physical, it's just like, I want to empathize, but like. There's so so many variables. People don't even... I don't understand. Nobody knows what FND is anyway. So I think there was then that... When they got me up to walk, they were asking me why I was walking, why the way I was walking. And I was like, I don't know. I assumed it was because I was tired from shaking for hours on end mm. and having the attack. But it was just kind of... They couldn't seem to understand that I wasn't choosing to walk in that manner. Yeah. And now, the NHS have been great and we've had help from them and I've met some wonderful doctors and things like that. But I think in that moment... Uh, well, I think... It wasn't, it wasn't ideal because it felt like they were blaming me and it was my fault I was choosing to behave in this manner when I wasn't. I had no control over the way that I was walking. I didn't want to walk around like I had a problem my pants I wanted to walk normally and in my mind I was walking normally yeah but that was really hard to communicate because I I didn't quite understand what was going on to register that I was walking differently and that it was so different that people were clocking it but then thinking I was making fun of it that was the thing that kind of stuck out is that it was so dramatically different it looked like I was putting it on yeah and and in in fairness to medical professionals in general, they can only give the answers to which they, to the information they have. Yeah, and they don't know you from Adam. No. They don't know if you're, what your, your kind of, the rest of your story is. I fully appreciate that. I think it's just something to be mindful of is that don't assume someone is choosing to do it. That's all. Just don't assume that. My caveat was simply because I wanted to say that individuals only responded with the information they had and other members of the NHS as individuals have been absolutely great however the NHS sucks and it's a terrible system for dealing with complex problems it's a perfectly fantastic system for dealing with emergency problems and giving equal access you know but you know when you've got 10 minutes of somebody's attention in A&E for what it's us I disagree but I can we wouldn't be we need the NHS. We can't lose the NHS. And they do do a really good job. But it's Respectfully more... Respectfully disagree. It's, it's more challenging because of the circumstances that they find themselves in. Yes. In the fact that they, there isn't the time because of staff shortages or whatever it might be. Yes, it's certainly nothing to do with technical ability. I think it's, it's, it's if there were more people to allow more scope and more time, it would be better. Yeah, we're, we're going to go on a deviant on a case, uh, uh, sorry, a tangent on um, government provision of services. <laughs> yeah. We don't but, need to go that way. We don't need to go I, there. I think the, the overall, like, we're not saying get rid of the NHS <laughs> at all. But, but to be fair, what I am saying to people with complex needs is that sometimes if those other options are available to you, you might need to look elsewhere mm. because, like it's like for us, it took months and months and I almost... Like now, you know, as you get older and you just learn more, the older I get, I feel like I've only just started to know, you know, I only feel just about smart on this thing, but I might have been doing it for 10 years. So I only just about feel like I've got a handle on FND now. And so likewise, two years ago, I just didn't know anything. So you have to just reach to as many different sources of information as you can mm. and find what works works for you, because that is what matters. Is this yeah. Is this a solution that's effective to you? Um, and if you have access to different sources of information and professionals, things like that, I would say don't just rely on the NHS because if it co- if it costs you a year or sort of thing of time until you find something that is relevant, you know, everyone is unique. Um, my point is just don't rely on one service. Mm. So don't just rely on the NHS if you can possibly afford to do so, even for individual sessions. You know, even if you can afford to see somebody just once, a differing opinion is only going to help you out. I don't think you know. You're not going to lose anything by learning a little bit more. Mm. So yeah, it's certainly been um, certainly been a roller coaster. But 
like a roller coaster, ups and downs, typically you have just gradually improved um, and putting you under pressure has been possibly one of the best things for you. Which you wouldn't have thought, really. No, because I think, like all challenges... But I think there's a line. Yes. I think there is a line and we're still not very good at that line. And there is an element of pressure which is really good. Yeah. But it's very quickly can cross into not good. Yeah. And unhelpful and unsupportive. And it's a learning curve like with anything, but it's something we haven't quite mastered in the actually because we go, Oh, pressure's good, it will it will keep her here, it will keep her working, we'll keep her busy, we'll keep the pressure on, we'll keep moving. But then in having that pressure, you take out the opportunity for rest and breaks and understanding where someone is and what they need in that moment. Mm. So whilst it's good to be busy and to move between lots of different things and have that drive, equally it can go the other way and actually stop you being able to listen to your body and know when you need to rest because you don't have the time to rest. Mm. I was, I, was, I mean this in the nicest way. Don't take it at all in the way that it's going to initially sound. Marvellous. <laughs> but like, I wonder if, I wonder if people now with FND, and maybe it's just you, are, quite, are, just, <laughs> are just more sensitive to those stresses. So for example, a person who doesn't have FND can do, go to a job that they hate and they can do that for years. And that low level stress will drain on them and it will cause problems but they won't respond to it now somebody with fnd will respond tolerance is higher yeah they'll respond to much more quick uh, much more quickly that's an awful sentence do you want to try that one again respond much more quickly quicker much more quickly quicker either's fine (laughs) you can comment on our grammar choices later (laughs) i think but the, the point though is that people with fnd if you're having a negative response to something it might be a really early warning sign to let you realise this isn't an activity I should be doing. Mm. Um, but you've got to be able to hear it. Yes, and, you, and, and the FND might be giving you greater sensitivity and you've got to listen. To so, And likewise, somebody who doesn't have it will do something terrible for years and years on end and not realise because they've just built up this tolerance to it. So we can see it on the one hand, oh, I'm, you know, you've got to listen to yourself and notice when you get tired with things, but actually there will be some link and there's a reason that your body is responding. Fine, I don't know if I'm being a little bit naive or hippie-ish, but I feel like there's a reason your body is saying, I've had enough now. And that's because you're doing things. There's challenge. There's challenge where you feel it's good for you. You know, if you're, if you're working hard, but you're working for a charity that you really care about, you'll find that you can work long days and, and you're perfectly refreshed on that. But if you're going in and you're working in a job that you absolutely hate, same amount of hours, same amount of physical work, it's you'll like find the, it's draining. It's the jug. It is the jug. It is the jug. What's the jug, honey? <laughs> the jug of kind of life. So we all have a jug, and everything in life adds water and things into the jug, and then we'll do things to, re- to get the water out. So you might have, like, you might really like going for a walk. That might poke a couple of holes in it to let some water out, or... You might really like going to the gym and that will be a bigger hole because it lets more out or whatever. Everyone has a jug and everyone has a system of emptying that jug. I think what it is for potentially people with FND is the jug is just smaller. That's all. It's the combination of So it's, it's, just, it's just smaller and we haven't, I, know, I haven't quite learned how to empty my jug fully. So every day I'm starting with it partly full. Instead of being fully empty, I think yeah, I think that I think the jug's a really good analogy because you, everyone starts with a little jug as a baby, and babies are really responsive to everything. Mm. And your jug gets bigger and bigger as your tolerance gets bigger. The problem is, is that that's good for when you're being positive. So if you're filling your day with these really yeah. worthwhile activities, your jug gets bigger and your capacity to manage those tasks gets bigger. The problem is just as equally it can learn to manage all these terrible tasks Mm. and you will spend years doing these terrible tasks and your jug just gets bigger and bigger and eventually it cracks because it's holding so much and so now you've got everything your jug's super small again i think that's what mine did i think mine just shattered so i've had to start mine all over again and i'm learning how to empty it but i haven't found the way that empties it completely yet i found lots of little ways that can take some of the pressure out. Yeah. But I haven't found 
two or three ways to empty it fully yet. And there, there are two elements, isn't it? There's the emptying of it, i.e. doing things that gets rid of stress. So that could be things like, you know, eating, drinking, socialising. I the love things that you that, went to eating first. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to see like normal things, but without saying, but that is where addiction comes from. It's your, it's the only method I feel that I can empty that jug. Yeah. But likewise, there's also the, can I control the water that's going yeah. into my jug as well? And, and that means, can I control the activities in my life that I'm choosing to do? So it's both Which is a, a lot. It's yeah. difficult to do. It is. And like certainly you have to be a fortunate position in life to be able to control as many of those activities as you want. Yeah. And I fully appreciate many, many people are not in... Most people really, we're not in a no, position to control aren't. everything. But therefore... We like to think that we are. Therefore, Yeah, exactly. Therefore, you have to focus on the activities you can control. Yeah. And you've got to think, Am I if, I if I'm stressed all the time, I need to be both reducing my stress, reducing the water going in, and I need to be doing more things to get the water out as well. Mm. Um, it can't just be one of the both because it doesn't matter how much good activity you do. You can snort all the cocaine in the world. If you're if you're filling loads of water in, it, you know it's never going to empty, sort of thing. Okay. But I think I think you're right. I think the jugs are a really good analogy. For, I don't mm. know if it's I don't know if it's an analogy for stress. But um, then I think you can have things that are placed in the jug, like blocks. To just uh, to like a permanent it. block. Yeah, and it's just a permanent block on it so you can never have it's never going to be empty because the water's going to rise up higher because you've got the block in hmm. and that could be trauma or and what if it's like responsibilities as well like yeah, if you had like a it's child there. Or, or it's a, there a and it's it's taking up the space not in a bad way but it's just, it's there as a permanent fixture and until you learn to factor it in factor it in and work around it it just makes your jug overfill a lot quicker hmm. than someone that doesn't have that in it hopefully some practical advice there i suppose and and wasn't at all how i thought this was going to go if i'm honest no but actually i feel like a really good summary of our takeaway points like it's it's what it's our current place it's like where Mm. we're at and the difficult point is knowing the like many things like dieting or anything you know the factor information now you've just got to change the behavior to make sure you're doing it and you don't want to have to go through terrible circumstances to say, right, I need the motivation. You, know, you don't want an elderly relative to pass away of lung cancer and you go, right, now I'm going to stop smoking. We yeah. want to make those behaviour changes earlier on. In I don't want to lose the ability to walk or talk or my memory yeah. to learn that I actually need to value myself. Yeah, just be a nice person to yourself. Treat yourself as if you would treat anyone else. You and know. yeah, that's really hard to do. Hmm. Because it's habit. You it just, is habit. You've just gone it's through complete years. complete habit. But... Yeah, it's just scary, isn't it, to mm. think that it's been three years. But, at the same time, I feel like you've done so well. Because my initial fear is, oh, that's it, she's gone now. Like, you know, she's a potato, that's just your new position in life. <laughs> for anyone who's joining new, who doesn't understand what the term potato means, he will now explain for you what potato means. It's potato when you're like, you know, you're just not there. Like, if you're fully dissociated and you're just like sort of in your own world. And I know a part, I know what I'm saying does get through to your brain, but externally you're not able to like get that information out. Um, and we've proven that now. I've, I, you have wrote, you said, oh, remember that time I was like out of it? And I, and I remember you telling me this, but at the time you gave me nothing back. So I know when you're dissociated, the information is going in, you just have no mechanism of getting it out. Ego, you're a potato. Full of, <laughs> full of nutrients, but potatoes can't talk. Unless you're Mr. Potato Head, you can talk. Oh, thank you. Um, the well, other thing I've noticed on that is actually when I am potatoing or dissociating or whatever you want to call it, it, my, like, it goes foggy. Like, my sight goes foggy. Not in the way that it's dangerous, but like, I feel like my eyes don't open as much. And then when I come back in everything is suddenly so much clearer. Mm. Everything kicks back in. Like someone's just turned the brightness up on the TV yeah. and you're like, oh, there's a tree. I didn't know that was a tree. You were only partially I was aware. only partially aware. And it mm. is like that foggy glaze that comes over and I'm like, oh. And I've got, I can't, I can't uh, lift it. Yeah, and as, and as obvious as it is to you in retrospect realising, oh, I only had partial vision. And then once it comes back, you go, oh, there it was. Yeah. It's as clear as that to people on the outside that something is just missing. Mm. Um, but obviously you need the you need the knowledge of the person. But then I, I think also there's that thing that goes along it that people who, people fear it. Dissociating. People, yeah. People fear it and are scared of it. And it worries them. Because what, so I would say, what's more afraid? What's more scary to you? Listening to your own thoughts and feelings 
and vi- thinking you're valuable or dissociating. And you've got to decide which one you want. Yeah, but I'm comfortable with the dissociating now. Yeah, but that's a problem. Yes, I know it is, but as in, like, it doesn't scare me. But I mean, for people who haven't seen it, yes. who haven't experienced it whilst I've been doing it, it is a scary thing to witness, to experience. Yes, I know. I, I am that person that, <laughs> that, that endures it from the outside. I did a great job at the weekend. I'm sure you were fine. I know I was fine. I'd just stick you in front of some Disney and just let you rot your brain out on terrible recently released Disney movies, which may or may not have songs about Bruno. <laughs> We don't, we don't talk about it. No, we don't. We, we don't, don't talk, we don't about, talk about, that about that. Leave that alone. But yeah, it's just interesting, isn't it? Like, uh, how our our understanding has shifted in the last three years. From coming from a place of being scared and unsure and not knowing to a place now where we quite happily can talk about it with other people and things like that. Like, if you'd said to me this time three years ago you're about to have this happen to you, but you'll share it with over a thousand people, I would have told you to go away. I've got not a chance. Mm. But actually, I think talking about it and sharing it has been such a helpful tool for Builds me. confidence, doesn't it? Just builds confidence in the fact that you have something worth sharing. And I just think, when I felt, I felt so ashamed of myself, I had so much shame when I first got diagnosed... And I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know where to turn with it. I didn't want to bombard the people in my life with like, oh, I went out of my wheelchair today. But I needed an outlet to be able to like process it. And I think that's where the page then came in. And I wanted to show people that the kind of all the sides to it. It's not all kind of, oh, you're making really good progress. Like, you're amazing. Here's my success video. Here's me walking, stupid. Here's me trying to say cockroaches. Mm. Like, unsuccessfully. It was not unsuccessful. Everyone knew what I was talking about. I, his controversial view. Oh, God, God. Controversial view. Um, You've been full of them tonight. I think, I think you should be filled with a bit of shame. And I think you did do something wrong. And what you did wrong was not relating to anyone else because you're absolutely great with everyone else. What you did wrong was you weren't very nice to yourself. Yeah. And I think and and that's okay because we want to recognize that and change and be nicer to other people. It would be easy. If you were horrible to someone else, everyone would know and see it. It's really easy to be horrible to yourself. And that yeah, avoids you just deflect it, don't you? Yeah, or you just because it's internal, you just don't say it aloud. No one but needs you know to know. It. No. No one needs to know that you want yourself to go pull your hair out or to fall down the stairs or whatever it might be. No one needs to know that because no one's in your head. Because no. if you said that out loud to someone else, you'd be picked up from going, what are you talking about? Don't say that to them, it's horrible. And it is that you've got to treat yourself how you would treat someone else. Yeah. But I think when you're, if you're coming from a place of seeing yourself that poorly, it's incredibly difficult to do. Yes, and that's, that's the really like the difficult point where you actually, I sometimes think you almost need less, less acceptance. You almost need less like understanding because actually, people are much more responsive to negative emotions than they are strong emotions. You listen. When you have a negative emotion, you listen. You know, feeling terrible is terrible. But if you feel good, you're like, oh, yeah, that was a nice day. And then you'll move on. But you'll dwell about that terrible experience you had for years and years. And sometimes I do think, like, maybe if you felt a little bit of shame and you went, yeah, you know what? I've been horrible to myself. You know, I did feel shame, but I felt shame for a different reason. And that's the problem. You, you weren't channeling it into this useful right. And now here's how I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice to myself. And it becomes too, too, you dwell on it. You become too focused on that negative component and then don't action it. I felt shame in the fact that I'd become a burden. That's how I felt shame. And I felt shame in the fact that I was now too heavy a weight to be carried in society. Because I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what it meant for my future. I didn't know what it meant for you and I. I didn't know what it meant for my life. All I know is I felt so much shame in the fact that I wasn't strong enough to deal with my life. Mm. I was so weak that I broke in a magnificent fashion quite dramatically, quite quickly. 
I wasn't able to deal with my life and that's why I felt shame and that's why I started after I processed it the page and things like that because no one was I couldn't find anyone that was talking about it because it wasn't something I'd come across before it was a it was a separate thing it was like oh here's my success video Here's my here's my thing that chipped me over and now I can walk again, which is absolutely great. For them. For them. But it wasn't showing yeah. the newbies, look, you're going to feel utterly crap. Mm. You're going to feel like the world is against you and you will have days where you simply don't want to wake up anymore because you feel that useless. Mm. And that's why I started doing what I was doing to show people that it wasn't just them feeling that way. Actually, there were other people with the same condition. Although our symptoms may be different, our life experiences may be different, and things like that. Actually, from this condition, this is how I'm truthfully feeling. Mm. And I share as much as I'm comfortable with to the people on my social media. Because it, I want to show people that it's okay to stop and feel fragile. To stop and go, you know what, I'm not okay. And stop and go, you know what, I'm not okay. And now I would like some help. Mm. Because I think saying I'm not okay is different to I'm not okay and now I need help. You can say you're not okay, but you won't be willing to accept help. Yeah, It's the point in which you cross over and go, you know, I'm not okay. And now I need somebody to come and sit with me. I need you to come and just keep me safe for an hour. I need you just to come and make me some chicken and chips. I need you just to come and watch a Disney movie with me. It's that process. I think sharing that makes people feel like although we don't know each other, they have a friend somewhere out in the universe that understands and goes, you know what, I get it today. I don't have to explain myself to you. I don't have to say, oh, it's my FND and that means it can just be, you know what, today is an awful day for me. I just need someone who gets it, who's not trying to fix me, who's not trying to tell me what to do better and who actually just gets the base level of, you know what, it actually sucks. You've gone very quiet. I'm listening. It was very passionate and was animated. It? Was speech. it? Yeah. Oh, good. That was what I was aiming for. I did sort for. of feel like it was a bit directed at me. Well, um, no. <laughs> yeah, I, <think> so. <laughs> I feel like it's hard. You can empathise to a point, but you don't get it because you haven't got it. No. You can get it from the carer side, from the partner side, but you couldn't and you will never understand it from the side of the person who has it because you don't have it. No, because I didn't let myself down. And yeah, okay, FND, moving so. on. But, I mean, what I did, what I thought was really important is, is I think it's the, it's the system, it's just the culture that we live in, that you feel, your initial point was that you feel this great sense of, like, shame and failure. I've let everyone down. Like, I've, I've not been successful in life where other people have. But I think, like, that's just because other people are self-medicating with drugs of all descriptions um, and you don't know what people are doing at home. And likewise, the fact that you have to endure these terrible life circumstances is not normal or healthy. It might be what everyone else does, but that doesn't mean it's acceptable. Like moving to four-day work weeks and things like that. Like, sometimes you just need to accept that spending money on holidays and, and expensive cars and things, it's not actually making you happy. It's bringing you short-term, like, pleasure, but it's not bringing you long-term joy. And I think people have this belief, oh... I'm doing what everyone else is doing, but I'm unhappy. I've I've done something wrong. You're like, no, you're just suitably recognizing how bad what, the system what is. What it is that makes you happy? But that's the thing. You and have be to go okay against... with that. Yes, and that's you have difficult. to be okay with going. You know what? Having a nice car doesn't make me happy, but working a three day week and going out for a walk every day—that's what makes me happy. Yeah, well, that's really it's a really hard thing to do because basically nobody else in society is attempting that because that's long-term joy yeah. and that's very challenging to do and to say you know quite frankly we like it's known studies show that doesn't matter how good your standard of living is eventually you adapt to it so celebrities adapt to having 10 ferraris yeah. and the nicest cars because they get used to it yeah there's a cap there's a limit it's not about having more stuff once you get past this line for all intents and purposes happiness tapers right off it does still very slightly rise. But 
once you've got your food and your shelter, are you maximising what you need to be? And that might mean changing your job, spending less, moving somewhere else. Playing a board game. Playing a board game and going for walks. You do not need to listen to what other people are doing because most other people... There's a reason mental health problems are so severe at the moment because ultimately we've moved so far away into these unnatural lives. You know, the... the other thing I would recommend, which I did at the weekend, turn your phone off. Like, seriously, turn your phone off and leave it upstairs if you're going to be downstairs all day. Don't touch it. And actually, that really helped me. At the weekend, I had... Well, people don't like the word relapse. I had a very bad weekend where I went backwards quite dramatically. But actually, taking the pressure off of having my phone on me really helped... I don't remember most of it, but I know I I came back to it come Monday and went, mm, I don't really want it. Because actually it was really enjoyable to not to see on social media, oh, look at this new puppy or look at this new car or look at my house or that whatever. I don't have. Yes, I know you don't have it. But no, no, I'm saying you don't have those things. The, so it makes yeah, you feel bad. Yeah, so you, you end up telling yourself you're not doing as well because of this image that goes out. Social media is great, but if you're feeling over to a point, but if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like you have no value, you have no worth, and things like that, maybe just force yourself to have that break, switch it all off if you are safe to do so, and leave it alone. Because it just helps recenter you away from comparing yourself against everyone else every moment of the day. Just a thought. Mm. It's like um, stress levels are really quick to spike on and they taper off slowly. So every time, you know, your alarm goes off or, or you get a notification, you're, you're, that your adrenaline goes up. You spike back up again yeah. just for a second, but then it's just at a raised level. It's like snacking. You're supposed to eat. Love a snack. You're supposed to eat fewer, like, long, big meals and far away from each other so that your stomach can just rest, you know, auto cannibalizes like, cells and things like that. That's what you're supposed to do. And likewise, you're not supposed to be on this constant re-spiking of like, says the guy who spends hours playing video games yeah exactly but I'm perfectly fine you see because my in my, your perception she might be perfectly fine my calmness fine. is that I acknowledge shooting imaginary people makes me feel better anyway either way I think we've probably reached a natural conclusion there <laughs> I did get on that that's lovely that was a very long session though isn't it yeah I wasn't intending to be that long well happy anniversary to me mm. and I hope everyone listening uh has a good think. <laughs> and if they've been like, oh my God, he's such a knob. Why would he say such hurtful things? Um, yeah, well, you know, imagine what she has to live with. <laughs> <laughs> and on that positive note, but on the other hand, if you would like to come on and give him a run for his money, you're more than welcome to, um, just because it would give me a minute of peace and quiet. Very happy to engage. Um, there'll be a group of people listening being like, he is harsh, but actually he says some clever things. Yeah. That's what I hope people are thinking. If not, I'm just sad. So. Yeah, but let's yeah. just leave it on that, shall we? Let's go make some dinner. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Till next time.